Pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 174. Today I'm going to chat with John Crump from Gun Owners of America, discuss the recent news on proposed reclassification of pistol braces, highlight the Mantis Blackbeard training system, and talk about impossible to follow medical recommendations for the Russian coronavirus vaccine. I'm your host, Ava Flannell, and John, how are you doing today? I am doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. I realize that when the show comes out, Christmas will have already happened. So Merry Christmas to everyone. But we're a few days before Christmas. And I got to say, I'm just ready for it to be over. I mean, I'm excited. I'm having a lot of people over at my house. But I've just been running all over the place trying to get last minute things done. And it's just it's always so stressful. What about you? Yeah, I use Amazon to uh, relieve my stress. Yeah. I do all my shopping on Amazon and I do a lot of ordering. I just love this time of year. Do you I really? I love spending time with my family. Oh yeah. I love spending time with my family. I got a big family and with the whole COVID thing, we haven't really seen each other too much. And even before that, we've kind of grown apart, but every Christmas it brings us back together mm-hmm. as a family. And that's what the holidays is all about. Yeah. Is about family. No, totally. Really. I completely agree. I prefer Thanksgiving where it's not as commercialized. I think Christmas can get a little stressful for some, but I do think that you're right. It is absolutely all about the family and bringing people together. Yeah. Before we get into the show, though, I'm going to talk about Smith & Wesson real quick. I'm assuming that you're familiar with their products. I have a lot of their products. What kind of products do you have? I have one of their uh, Airweight 38 Special Revolvers. Mm-hmm. I have some of their 357 Revolvers. I have an M&P 15 as well. And I have a shield and some M&P 9mm firearms as well. Nice. So okay. I got a bunch of stuff. And I'm assuming that you like all of them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's why I have them. <laughs> yeah. I know. In my opinion, they make some of the best firearms out there. Certain companies are known for certain types of guns, but I feel like any type of gun that Smith & Wesson puts their name on is great quality, especially their revolvers. People always say that revolvers are less likely to have any malfunctions, which I personally don't stand by, but I've had issues with other brands. But Smith & Wesson, in my opinion, makes some of the best revolvers out there. Yeah. I really like wheel guns. I'm very, very into wheel guns. And I have a large collection of Smith & Wesson wheel guns in addition to some Colts and everything else. But the Smith & Wesson quality is right there and they don't malfunction like some other ones. Like Mm -hmm. you said, a lot of people claim that uh, revolvers never malfunction. But in my experience, that just isn't true. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. All right. Now it is time to get into it. John, I've wanted to have you on the show for quite a while now. I'm a big fan of your work. I'm constantly reading the articles that you write. But for those who aren't familiar with what you do, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I do uh, two different things. I'm an activist and I'm a journalist. 
I write about a lot of political stuff. I'm not really too much into like the gun reviews or anything like that. I am more into what's going on with the Second Amendment, whether it's the ATF overstepping their bounds or some group working against our Second Amendment rights. What I do is I do a lot of research. I do a lot of developing contacts to get that information that might not be out there. Mm -hmm. Because right now in the gun industry, I don't think we have enough investigative journalists. I think we need more. Yeah, I completely agree. When you were saying that you didn't do gun reviews, I was like, yeah, I don't think we're really missing out. And I feel like everybody does gun reviews, myself included. But we definitely need a lot more activists. And I've noticed that you do a really good job of reporting on stuff that typically you're the first person to report on, such as scandals and current political events and stuff like that. How are you able to find this stuff beforehand? Is it just through the contacts that you build? Uh, there are a couple of different things. I come from the Intel world, so I'm really good at building contacts, and I do build contacts. The ATF, we know, is a big political organization within the government, but a lot of the rank-and-file agents out there are actually pretty pro-gun, mm-hmm. and they don't want to see a lot of the stuff happen. So when I started developing contacts, when I developed one, that one passed me on to another, and now I get information from a bunch of those people. And I also do a lot of FOIA requests. I try to do a FOIA request every day, five days a week, take the weekends off. And I get a lot of documents, but you know, I have like high functioning autism. So I can repeat through hundreds of pages of documents over the weekend and be able to find stuff that has been released to the public, but just no one's picked up on because no one read through all the documents. There's a lot hidden there. Wow. That's interesting. So I'm going to go back to two things that you said. For one, I'm also friends with a few ATF agents and all my friends are like, oh, you're fraternizing with the enemy. Even the other day, I put on a little Hanukkah dinner just for fun. I'm not really super religious, but one of my really good friends, her husband's an ATF agent. He came and and it's interesting too to just talk about what's going on. And he's absolutely pro-gun. He thinks what they're doing is just absolutely wrong. And I think that ATF as a whole always gets a bad rap, just like people who are anti-cop. Depending on the industry, there's bad guys everywhere, but it's not just as a whole. It's nice to see that you also have relationships with ATF because I sometimes feel like an outsider for friending them. Also, you mentioned that you have high-functioning autism. Uh, Yeah. I wasn't diagnosed when I was a kid, but I was diagnosed as an adult. And so that Um, helps you to read through all these documents really quickly. Yeah, I can, I'll go through probably between 500 and a thousand pages of documents on a weekend. Wow. That's uh, amazing. Like playing a bit before I go to sleep. But wow. that also helps me find the information that other people miss. Yeah. So exactly. I weaponize my autism. Yeah. That's exactly what I was getting at. Is that's amazing. Okay. Let's backtrack just a second. What got you into the gun industry? I used to own a gun store and I started writing articles when I owned that gun store. Just because there was a bunch of stuff that I saw out there that was being missed and no one was reporting on it and I wanted it to be reported on. But since no one was doing it, I decided I would do it myself. So I wrote a few letters to the editor at Ammo Land and then Fred, who is the chief editor over there, was like, hey, why don't you just write for us? I started writing for Ammo Land and then I got out of the gun industry the gun store because it was taking up too much time. And I just started concentrating on actual 
reporting of stuff. I think it's important for it to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it absolutely is. And how long ago was this when you owned your gun store? Uh, 2013 is when I got out of it. Okay. So were you raised around guns? I was not too much raised around guns. When I was little, it was my first experience of the Second Amendment. Actually, I was under a year old. My mom was home alone with me and my four older sisters, and she heard something at the front door. So she went to the front door, and she didn't see anything, but then she heard something downstairs. Someone broke into our house, and she went and grabbed a little thirty-eight special, which back then was called a Saturday night special. Uh-huh. And she went and she confronted the home invader and he had a knife and she told him to get out of the house. He said, no. And she said, if you take one more step forward, I will shoot you. He said, no, you won't. And he took one step forward and she shot him. But because she had that gun, it helped her defend me and my sisters. So without the gun, I don't know if I would be here. Yeah. So that got me into guns, but I wasn't really raised around guns. I mean, we had like a single gun in the house. We didn't have like ARs or anything else like that. I got into guns mostly when I was in college for engineering because I just love how they work. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's an incredible story. And I'm glad that your mom had the courage to actually pull the trigger because that's one of the things that I cover in my classes. I tell people, hey, you got to think you have a gun now. There's a chance that you might have to point your gun at somebody and pull that trigger. And do you think you can? Because most people will typically freeze. That is correct. Yeah, Uh, they do. Uh, But, you know, when you put a mom between her kids and a home invader, she's usually going to choose to defend her kids. Yeah, absolutely. At least I would hope so. Mm -hmm, I know. You currently reside in Virginia, correct? Yes, I do. What is the political climate like there? Messy. (laughs) That's the best word for it. You have two distinct sides. You have the anti-gunners who are mostly located around Northern Virginia, where I live at, or Tidewater region, which is down like uh, Virginia Beach area, and a little bit about Richmond. But the rest of the state is very, very pro-gun. But those areas are so densely packed with people that moved to Virginia from other states and are anti-gun that they kind of override everyone else. Mm -hmm. So right now there is definitely a battle for gun rights in Virginia. 96% of the state has declared themselves second amendment sanctuaries. And it's just this small area that's controlling the rest of the state and trying to pass these archaic gun laws. Mm -hmm. I know that always seems to be the case and it's so frustrating. Even Colorado used to be extremely pro-gun and now all these people, mostly from California, are moving here. And now suddenly we live in a blue state and it's pretty sad. So, yep. And obviously Virginia has some really large organizations such as the NRA, Gunners of America, even I think ATF headquarters too, right? They're located... ATF headquarters is located in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Their actual headquarters is in D.C., but their main facilities in Martinsburg, West Virginia, which isn't too far okay. um, away from Virginia. It's like less than 30 minutes away from the Virginia border. All right. So then I don't feel so stupid asking that. <laughs> With all those large organizations there, I'm sure that it kind of gets kind of interesting. You would think more than ever that they would, I guess, be a little bit more aggressive in their home state. Well, a GOA is very aggressive in Virginia. I will have to say that. They work with VCDL, which is the Virginia Citizens Defense League, very closely. 
Uh, we at GOA, we believe that we have a strong state organization and we're there to back up BCDL. Virginia is an interesting place with the NRA and GOA. I know GOA has sued the governor on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. I've sued the governor on multiple occasions. In fact, he once said that Mr. Crump has a pins for suing me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do. I wrote back, well, you have a tendency to violate my rights. But GOA has to. We sued over universal background checks. And we won half of that, I would say. In Virginia, you have to be 18 to own a handgun. But with universal background checks, you can't go through a background check for a handgun until you're 21. GOA successfully fought that. And now if you're between the ages of 18 and 20, you do not have to go through a background check to buy a handgun from a private cell. Wow. We want the whole law gone, but we have to do what we have to do. And we're taking that victory and we're still fighting on to get the rest of the law removed. Wow. That's amazing. I'm going to take a quick break real quick and talk about SB Tactical. I'm assuming that that's another company that you're familiar with. You actually just wrote about them and everything that's going on right now with them and ATF. But politics aside, do you own any of their braces? I own a bunch of their braces. I actually love their braces. I know. I own an SBA3, SBA4, their PDW. Uh, I got one on my CZ Scorpion. I got a bunch of different braces. Yeah. Again, just kind of like Smith & Wesson. SB Tactical, I think they make the best of the best. There's other brace companies out there, but the quality and just even the aesthetics of it, there's nobody that holds a light up to SB Tactical. So if you guys want to check out their products, head on over to sb-tactical.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15 and that will get you 15% off. Going back to Gun Owners of America, what is it that you do for them? I am the Virginia State Director, so I handle everything in the state of Virginia through legislation, through working with VCDL, organizing different events in Virginia, and just overseeing Virginia so nothing gets snuck by. Mm -hmm. Being GOA's home state, there's extra pressure on me not to miss anything, since like Eric Pratt and everyone else lives in Virginia, (laughs) on the East Coast at least. We Mm -hmm. do have a West Coast headquarters that's in California, but Virginia is definitely a priority for GOA. And it's my job to make sure we don't miss anything and get the word out and to support groups like VCDL. Okay, that's awesome. What are you currently working on with them if you're able to talk about it? I can definitely talk about it. One of the things that we are currently working on is pushing back against all the COVID restrictions. I know from a FOIA request or an OPRA request, which is an open records request, basically it's a FOIA for the state level. We do know that Giffords is pushing the state to try to shut down gun stores and gun ranges due to COVID. (laughs) So I'm keeping an eye on that and making sure the politicians know that if they do take that move, we will sue again. I'm also talking to different people in the state legislature to try to defeat anti-gun bills. One of the anti-gun bills that are coming up is a banning of carrying of firearms within Commonwealth-owned buildings. So we're pushing back against that. We're trying to get the legislators to vote against that. 
Also, the assault weapons ban is going to come back this time, and we need to really work on pushing back against the assault weapons ban to make sure that doesn't pass. Because you and I know there's no such thing as an assault weapon. Mm-hmm. Any gun that you use to assault someone is technically an assault weapon. Yeah, no but kidding. They make up all these terms to try to scare the general public, they being the anti-gun groups. Pushing back against them is my main goal and to educate legislators. And also to say, if you do not vote for pro-gun bills, we will work to get you out of office. Nice. I like it. How many state legislators or representatives do you see that really don't have a lot of knowledge about firearms, yet they want to impose all of these laws against them? A lot of them, the majority of them that actually want to push these laws against us. Some of the main sponsors have no idea about guns. I was on an NPR radio show with Dave Marchman, who is one of the legislators in Virginia. And he thought that you can order a gun and have it shipped to your house, which is absolutely insane. You can't do that. It has to go through an FFL. And when I tried to explain that to him, I got called every name in the book. I was trying to mislead people and all this other stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm just trying to explain to you how it's actually done. Mm -hmm. And what you're telling people is wrong. Yeah, I know. It's so frustrating that people want to make laws about something that they don't know anything about. And it's really not even that hard to educate yourself about. A lot of this information is at our fingertips. It's just crazy how lazy a lot of these politicians are. Yeah, but you have to be willing to learn. And a lot of them aren't. Yeah, that's true. I noticed you write a lot about the Patriot Movement. What is this about? Uh, the Patriot Movement consists of a few different groups. Uh, you have different groups like the Three Percenters, which is actually more than just one group. It's a bunch of different groups. You have the Three Percent United Patriots, and then you have the Three Percenters Original, American Three Percent, and then you have groups like the Oath Keepers as well. Some of militias, some are not militias. For some reason, they always get lumped in as being militias. Basically, what the Patriot Movement says is that we should adhere to our Constitution. There's some Patriot groups that take it way too far, in my opinion, and advocate violence. But the majority of them, and the great majority, do not. And they get demonized a lot. So I started researching these groups, not knowing a lot about them. And then I realized a lot of the information out there are from biased forces. And it's really not fair. A lot of them get grouped in with white supremacists. Mm -hmm. And the majority of patriot organizations aren't racist organizations. They have members of all races and creeds and religions. But that didn't really get shared. So I started writing about the patriot movement just to remove some of the misinformation that's out there. Because a lot of the times, there's only a couple different sources that a lot of people in the mainstream media go to, and they don't really go to the actual root of the story. Yeah, definitely. I think I also read somewhere that you were writing a book about this. Yeah, I am writing a book. It's been put on hold. I have two other books that's going to come out before that. One is about tactics that the leftists use to deplatform. It's called The Leftist Guide to Deplatforming. And then I have another book coming out about 
state level group and it's called a gun advocates guide to state level action. And that's going to be coming out before that. So that kind of got pushed back. Not really because of me. I would, I really want that book to come out, but my editors and everything, they believe that the other two books have a more chance of selling a lot more than a book about the Patriot movement. Mm-hmm. But that's like my passion <laughs> that will come out. Yeah. That book will come out. It's just been so long, but I've just had too much to write about before that. But that is my pet project, and it's something that I really want to get out there. Awesome. And when can we expect those other two books to come out? The first one about the state-level advocacy will be out hopefully by the summer. And the next book will come out spring of 2022. I do a lot of other stuff, so I really don't have a lot of chance time to write yeah. um, books. Um, and then my third book will come out probably six to nine months after that. And hopefully that will be the book on the Patriot movement, but it depends on what else comes up and what I'm tasked to write. Yeah. No kidding. I know. I have no idea how you keep up with all of it. You're also to add to everything else that you're doing. You're also a firearms instructor. Do you teach or did you just become an instructor just to get that under your belt? No, I used to teach. I used to own Veritas Training Center, okay. which taught uh, firearms. I partnered with one of my other friends who was a Mark Soccer Marine, but I don't really teach too much anymore. I do hold a free introduction to pistol classes once every three months, and I'm looking to expand that to hold that class more often, and it's totally free of charge. And it's just to get people and get their hands on guns and to demystify the gun to them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What have your experiences been like with that in the past? It's been very positive. I've been doing it for about four years now. And bringing people in, especially since it's free, they come just to see what it's all about. Because a lot of them are kind of on the fence. Mm -hmm. And usually by taking them through a class where you introduce them to the gun, you show them the gun and everything else, 99% of the time, they fall on our side of the fence, which is great because that's how you expand Second Amendment rights is by bringing new people in. Yeah, I completely agree. It's a great idea. And then you also own a podcast. Tell me about that. I got a couple podcasts. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. uh, Well, I have one that's coming out. I have Fireside Chats, which I host on YouTube, and then it goes out to everywhere else on audio version the next day. And it's basically just a conversation with different people from in and out of the gun world. I have had everyone from like Kevin Dixie, Maj Torre. I've had also people like Hank Strange come on and American Gun Chick and Liberty Doll. And then I've also had people like Jason David Frank, who played the Green Power Ranger. Uh, he's been on my show a few times. Wow. Uh, I've had artists on my show and it's always about freedom and getting to the root of what people do and why they do it. Mm-hmm. I like that. And how long have and you had that for? I've had that for over a year. It developed out of another podcast. I did a podcast since about 2012 called the Patriot News Podcast, which just discussed uh, different topics of the day. And every once in a while, we would bring people into interview. And when we started to wrap up that podcast, I really liked the interviewing portion. So that's when I spawned off Fireside Chats. And then another person from our podcast started Trenchwork Chronicles. And that all developed out of Patriot News podcast. 
I do have another podcast called Virginia Reloaded that's going to be launching next year, hopefully in January. It's a Gun Owners of America sponsored podcast. And I will be hosting it with Silverback from Gorillas and Guns, who's another Virginia resident. And we're going to be talking about Virginia related stuff. And it's going to be coming out once a week. Nice. Very cool. But you recently wrote an article about stamps.com and Palm Rady and basically stamps.com gave out information of whoever purchased a Polymer 80. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I don't think that a lot of people read this article. Okay, Polymer 80 got raided by the ATF. They seized the computers, but they didn't get too much information because most of their customer information is stored in the cloud. So they're not really sure what they got, but they got something, but it probably wasn't all their customer information. So. I was wondering what else the ETF did to get customer information. So I started digging and looking into it, looking into the actual search warrants and stuff. And then I noticed something about stamps.com and also authorized.net giving up information to the ETF. Polymer 80 refused to give up customer information. California subpoenaed Polymer 80 for its customer information and Polymer 80 refused that subpoena. So instead of going to Palmer 80, they went around to their shipping processor and their credit card processor. Their credit card processor is really tricky because there's not a lot of credit card processors that are willing to handle gun stuff. And Authorize.net is one of the only ones. But the ATF hit them with subpoenas and they turned over customer information to the ATF. Have you discovered anything else about Palmer 80 and ATF? Just that the ATF has been looking at not only Polymer 80, but the whole entire unfinished frame kit and frame uh, lower receivers for a while. I reported on a meeting between Regina Lombardo and Marvin Richardson, who's number one and two at the ATF, who met with the Biden transition team. And their two top priorities were pistol braces and 80%. And that's exactly what we're seeing them go after. So it looks like they're kind of auditioning for the Biden transition team. Mm-hmm. Both of the people are bureaucrats, and that's why they're in there. They're acting as assistant deputy chief and chief of the ATF. But they're bureaucrats because Trump never actually got an appointment through to the ATF. So these people have been in the ATF for years. In fact, they're both past the mandatory retirement period and they're on waivers. So if Trump really wanted to, he could just revoke their waivers and both of those people would be gone the next day. Mm -hmm. Why do you think he hasn't? I think that there's a lot of pressure coming from other people, mainly his daughter, who isn't exactly Uh pro-gun. And I say that because I've actually talked to people who said it's because of his daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like really good sources. Yeah, <laughs> I've actually heard that uh, as well. Yeah, so I think it has a lot to do with Jared and Ivanka. They have a lot of sway over their father. I do know that Donald Jr. has been pushing for it, but Ivanka kind of overrules him. I think Ivanka's is like Donald favorite. Trump's favorite. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what I've heard. It's uh, Yeah. Kind of unfortunate. I've heard it from very good sources. I'm not going to give out my sources, yeah. but I've heard it from very good sources. Yeah. I wonder, very close. I wonder if we share that same source because I've heard that exact same thing. Yeah. I, I have two sources who told me that, but yeah, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Right now with everything going on with ATF and the braces, what do you predict is going to happen? 
I think this is just the beginning. Right now, the ETF is ramping up. I know they're going to do like a free tax stamp type thing, and they're already ramping up for that. They've already transferred agents into the NFA division and training them up to process the request. So we all need to write the ETF and submit comments to the ETF on the bracing because it's going to take an overwhelming force to get them to change their mind right now Mm -hmm. because you see them training people. So unless we can hit them with hundreds of thousands of comments, it's not going to make a difference. So that's why it's so important that everyone out there submit a comment on the federal registry about the changes to price classifications. Yeah, I know. I agree. And actually, when the show comes out, there is still time to write to ATF. I've posted links on everything. I'll make sure that there's also a link included in the show notes so that you guys can write to them as well and voice your opinions. Because at this point, gosh, when the show comes out, I think maybe we'll only have, well, we'll definitely have less than a week. I guess that's really our best bet right now. Is there anything else that you would recommend so that people can stay active in this fight? Yeah, there's a lot you can do to stay active just by making phone calls, sending out emails. It's the easiest thing that you can do. All the politicians have email addresses you can email. What I would suggest is make a form letter. So you only have to write one letter and you can just replace the politician's name and send it to all of them because that's exactly what the anti-gun lobby does. If they just flood these people with form letters Mm -hmm. and then they look at it and they think, the public overwhelmingly supports gun control when they don't just because they have a better get out the vote, I guess, but not really with voting, but get out the response, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. The gun world is kind of unique because we're all really independent where the anti-gunners usually aren't. Mm-hmm. But we do have to work together to stay in the fight and they will try to discourage you. The anti-gun lobby and the anti-gun politicians will try to discourage you. So you have to stay motivated. Remember, motivation does not lead to action. Action leads to motivation. And the more you do it, the more motivated you will get. Definitely. All right. Any future plans that you can share with us that you haven't already? Yeah, I have a project that's going to be launching on February 1st. It's still a secret project, but I think it's going to change a lot of the ways that people report the news and how they get the news, especially with the Second Amendment stuff. That's all I can really say about that, but look for it on hopefully February 1st. Nice. And where can they find this on your, I'm assuming, social media? Yeah, just follow me on Instagram at Real John Crump. I will probably post it there and all my other social medias. But it's just not my project. There's other people involved. And I think it's going to be very good for the gun world. And also, if you want to learn how to like do FOIAs and everything else, it's going to be good for that. Awesome. I'm excited for that. And then also, one last thing, since this comes out on the 28th, we both were actually nominated for the Gundies. If you want to just do a shameless plug to have listeners vote for you, go ahead. What categories are you up for again? I'm nominated for most influential male of the year and also crossover creator of the year. If you could vote for me, that will be great. I'm trying to get in there for journalism since I'm an investigative journalist and I don't think there's really any other investigative journalists nominated. So I'm just trying to rep their investigative journalists. 
yeah. for the contest. Definitely. And I'm nominated for most influential female and influencer to entrepreneur. Yeah, so and you, you guys... have my vote on both of those. Well, that's day. funny because you have my vote as well. It's, awesome. <laughs> yeah, which it's actually true. I voted because I've been voting here and there. Because even if you don't win the categories, the voters, they still pick people who are participating in order to win cool prizes. So hell yeah, of course I'm going to participate. But if you guys yeah. want to do that, go to thegundies.com. And then can you just remind listeners once again where they can find you on social media? Uh, Real John Crump on Instagram is where I've been posting out most of the time. So you can find me there. I also have a website, crumpy.com. And most of my writing goes on MLN.com. But you can also find me in print magazines as well and print newspapers um, all over the place. All right, cool. All right, well, moving forward, IWI. I'm, I'm assuming you're also familiar with IWI's products. I love IWI products. Which are your favorites? I like the Tivor, for <laughs> example. That's probably my favorite product that they have. I have a thing for bullpups. Yeah. <laughs> and they also have a very, very nice pistol that I messed around with. They're Jericho. Mm-hmm. And who can go wrong with a Galil? Yeah, I know. I know. Masada's cool too, though. Yeah. Like, I actually just put an optic on my Masada pistol the other day. Yeah. Very um, smooth. Very, yeah. very smooth. I was surprised. I worked with it a little bit out at Red October last year. The guy that won it was a friend of mine because IWI gave a Masada for this like obstacle course AK type thing. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends won it. He never fired an AK before and he <laughs> actually won the contest. Wow. First time firing an AK and won a Masada. Dang. And it's very, very nice. Yeah, it definitely is. If you guys want to check out their products, head on over to IWI.us. And if you're shopping for accessories, be sure to use the code GUNFUNNY15. That gets you 15% off. And now it's time for the Political AF segment. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's Political AF. This is actually a few days later that we're recording this segment since we recorded basically all the other segments, such as the deconstructing the industry and all of that stuff. And that's just because I think we all know that with politics, anything newsworthy, things are changing rapidly. So I wanted to see if anything else would come out before talking about the political segment. And sure enough, it did. If you guys haven't heard already, ATF withdrew their proposed changes on braces, which is great news. I know that a lot of us are very skeptical as to what's going to come from here. It is a win, but it's also, I think it's far from over. If you guys were not familiar with this, on Wednesday, the ETF posted a letter on their website announcing that they are withdrawing the proposed rulemaking change regarding the classification of pistol braces as SBRs. This came after 48,000 comments were posted in the four days since the proposed change opened for comment on the Federal Register. John, do you want to go a little more into detail as to what happened and what your thoughts of this whole thing are? Sure, sure. What happened was they opened up a two-week comment period. Anytime they make a change or anything like that to the Federal Register, there is a comment period for the people to submit comments that go on the record. (laughs) They were flooded with 48 
thousand comments in four days over a holiday, which is insane. And that calls them to back off mm-hmm. and withdraw it. Is it over? Absolutely not. I'm sure they're going to resubmit something in the future. Yeah. Uh, probably a little bit more clear than what they submitted, but I think it is going to come back. So we have to be ever vigilant about that Mm -hmm. and keep on watching. And when they do introduce it back, we have to hit them just as hard with comments. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I got to say is the most frustrating out of all this is I posted screenshots and uh, posted a link in my bio on Instagram, as well as links on all my other social media, Facebook and stuff like that, asking people to take action and voice their opinion, saying that they oppose this. And so many people were reluctant or I heard a variety of different things. Oh, it's not going to make a difference. Or, oh, well, if we're writing comments, that's basically just letting them know that obviously we're we're pro-gun and we have to include our address in there. Now they know where we live, which is so idiotic to me because ever since the internet was invented, though, there's really no privacy. There's no anonymity anymore with the internet. If you give me five minutes, I can get your address, your cell phone numbers, your closest uh, relatives, your friends, your social media feeds, your criminal background check. And I can do that within five minutes to anyone. So thinking that the government can't find you, if me, a little investigative journalist, can find all that information about you in five minutes, the government really wanted to, they could get all that information probably in a lot less time and probably a lot more information. So I didn't really understand the argument that they didn't want the government to know their names and addresses. I think the biggest issue we have in the gun community that really hurts us with stuff like this is the apathy. Apathy is our greatest weakness. It's our Achilles heel. And it's something that the anti-gunners and anti-gun politicians exploit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then a lot of people were also saying that they're tired of voicing their opinion and that it was time to take action. And the whole thing was just frustrating. And obviously, this is the perfect example that there is power in numbers and voicing your opinion, because honestly, staying silent and just accepting it or just thinking that your voice doesn't matter or that you're giving away your privacy or anything like that, it's not going to make any change. We saw the same thing when I think it was under the Obama administration when they proposed that the M855 ammo, that they tried to ban it. And I think they withdrew it after 80,000 comments and they had a 60 day period. Obviously, we still have the power of our voice as much as we want to think that the government's overriding that. And they are to an extent. And what I'm saying is, Obviously, what they're doing isn't right, and I think that they are definitely overstepping a lot of boundaries, but there is still something to be said about voicing your opinion and taking action, as opposed to assuming that you can't make a change. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. We have to voice our concerns, because if they get flooded with enough comments, that makes all the politicians take notice. Mm -hmm. And that's what you really want. You want to push those guys, and if you look, all these comments came out, then you had 90 members of Congress also interject and write a letter to the ATF. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that would happen unless they saw all the comments from the constituents going in there. Exactly. I completely agree. And it was kind of funny. It was a perfect timing for me because here I am on Instagram getting into arguments with all these people telling me that I'm wasting my time 
And then within hours, ATF withdrew their proposal. So, okay, I'll wait for an apology, even though I know it's not going to. I actually still had a bunch of people inboxing me and telling me that I'm still wrong and blah, 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 and whatever. I don't know. It is frustrating. Days like that kind of makes me irritated with the gun industry because I think especially the industry that we're in. And if you guys care about our Second Amendment rights whatsoever, that we need to stop being divided and making things difficult for ourselves and come together. And there's so many gun owners out there. If we just came together and worked towards a common goal, I think that we'd make a lot more progress. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed from looking at the anti-gun side is they all come together and they always work together towards a common goal. If you look at the the 80% the unfinished frames thing, the two places that are coming together and working towards getting rid of that is the Brady United in every town. And they have all their members on the same page. Mm-hmm. They're all working towards a common goal where if you look at the gun world, everyone is going everywhere. And this time, everyone did come together. I wrote an article and it talked about how the FPC, NRA, GOA, SAF, and every gun group kind of worked towards that goal. And all the gun owners out there worked towards that goal and we were able to accomplish it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think you also said previously in the show that gun owners, thing is, is we're all just very independent. I think it's easy for these anti-gun groups to group together because they don't, in my opinion, I don't think they have much of a mind of their own, but I think that- In the gun industry, we are a lot more independent. And I think that because of that, we're all formulating our own opinion and beliefs and it does us more bad than good. Yeah, they are definitely of hive mind, to say it nicely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So what do you think that we can expect in the future? I think it's going to come back. It's going to be in a kind of a different form, maybe a little bit more clear, because one of the arguments that the senators and the congressman put forward was that the regulations are not clear at all. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to come back and I think there's going to be a little bit more definition. So it's going to be a little bit harder to fight back against it, but I think we can still do it. I also think that they're going to start going after other things like the 80% frames. I believe you'll probably see that on a fairly quick order. Once the Biden administration comes in, mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll see that. And we're going to have to mobilize and fight back against that because I can already tell you that's coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know it's coming down the pipe from my internal sources. There's just nothing submitted yet. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that that's next. And as you've said, whether you have inside information or not, it's been pretty obvious just by their actions the last couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. They're telegraphing what they're doing and they're actually saying what they want to do. And we have to take them at their word. A lot of people in the gun world is like, oh, Biden wants to do this stuff. And also the politicians say this stuff, but they don't actually mean that. You know what? I'm going to take them at their word. Uh If I overreact, I overreact. That's fine. Yeah. But if I underreact, that's where the danger is. Absolutely. I completely agree. And another thing that I keep hearing people say is, well, I'm fine. I'm comfortable with the rights that we have now. Oh, well, that's great that you're comfortable with the rights that we have now, but we're not going to have those rights much longer. Well, it's not currently affecting me, so I'm not going to take action. And it's just, I was in the worst mood last night trying to just 
basically argue with all these people online that we're all supposed to be on the same side. And uh, I can't even explain it. It's just frustrating. It's just frustrating yeah. to think that people actually think like this. Yeah, you're definitely right. People actually do think like that and it can get frustrating. And that's another thing that kind of hurts our movements is when half the people say stuff like that, it frustrates the other half. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You just can't let other people frustrate you like that and stop you from taking action is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Yep, totally agree. All right, guys. Well, for everyone who did take action and they wrote comments, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Keep up the good work. And on that note, we're going to move forward. Now, before we get into our Q&A session, we're going to hear from Manicore Arms real quick. John, you were actually, before the show started, you were looking at links to all the advertisers and you mentioned that you are turning some of your guns into SBRs and you were looking at a specific stock with Manicore Arms. Which one was that? Well, I'm looking at a couple of different things with that. I got a couple of Evo pistols. I really like the CZ Evos. And I have a pistol that I was going to SBR. Mm -hmm. And they have a Scorpion Evo slider stock that I'm looking at. But I'm actually thinking about maybe doing an Evo bullpup. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you have the Evo carbine, you can make it into a bullpup by using their bullpup kit. And it's fairly easy to do. I have one actually looking at it right now on my gun wall. But especially I was thinking that when you mentioned when we were going over IWI and you said that you're a big bullpup fan, I was like, man, you should check out the Manicore Arms Scorpion Evo bullpup kit because it definitely gives it a nice, cool, futuristic look. If you guys want to check that out, head on over to manicorearms.com. And if you're buying something, don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15. That gets you 15% off. I probably will. I think I'm going to buy a couple of different things from there. Because I have a carbine that I want to convert into a bullpup. And then I have my little pistol that I want to SBR as well. Nice. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. As always, guys, if you have any questions for me, feel free to head on over to gunfunny.com and just click on the contact us form. Today's question is pretty simple. It's what are your plans for the holidays? John, do you want to go first and talk about Christmas and New Year's Eve? Or again, like I said, when the show comes out, Christmas will have already happened, but hopefully at this point you had a really good Christmas. But do you want to just kind of share some of the plans that you might have? Yeah. The thing that I'm looking forward to most about Christmas is I have a three-year-old and a seven-year-old. And I just love waking up in the morning and looking at their faces as they rush down to feed their presents and see what Santa Claus brought them. I'm also going to be spending a lot of time. If you guys don't know out there, my niece, she has a DIPG, which is childhood brain cancer. Oh. Uh, so like everything... All my YouTube revenue, all my book sales and everything goes to her. She doesn't have a lot of time left and I'm going to be spending a lot of time after Christmas, the day after Christmas through New Year's with her. She's also our goddaughter. So mm -hmm. we're going to spend as much time as possible with her. So if you have a kid out there, just give them a hug because you just never know what's going to happen. But we're going to make it a very happy time for the family and it's going to be great. Wow. 
I'm really sorry to hear that. That's, man, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all right. It's really sweet of you to donate all of your proceeds. Yeah, sorry for being a Debbie Downer there. (laughs) No, it's true, though, because with family members, not just kids, but for a lot of people who may or may not know, but I lost my mom eight years ago, and the holidays just haven't really been the same since. Yeah. And, and there's so many people that are like, well, I don't know if I'm going to spend it with my parents or if I'm going to fly home. And honestly, if you can just do, do it, it. <laughs> and exactly. if you don't want to find out the hard way and have any regrets, because there's so many times where I was living in New York City and I wouldn't fly home. And eh, it's just not worth it. Maybe the tickets were expensive or I only had so much time off. And it was by the time I fly from New York to Colorado, I'd maybe spend two days there. And now looking back, I wish I always took those trips. Because there really wasn't much back then that was more important than family. So I hope that you guys definitely cherish family. I know that the holidays can definitely be kind of tough, especially if things have changed, especially with COVID now. Everything's definitely kind of weird. But somebody once told me that now is the time to make new traditions. You can sit there and be sad about some of the old traditions that you have. And I think it's good to have those memories, but you're not stuck. For me, for example, I'm having a bunch of friends over for Christmas. I think I'm having 10 people over at my house, and I'm super excited for that. And then New Year's, a few friends and I, we rented a cabin, and we're just going to go spend New Year's Eve up there. And I have my cousin who moved out here a few months ago. She's pretty much the sister that I've always wanted. I have a sister, but I don't really. I wish my cousin was more my sister. (laughs) We get along really well, so she'll be with me for Christmas and New Year's, and I'm just, I'm looking forward to it, even though, again, things are weird with COVID, and New Year's Eve probably isn't going to be the same for a lot of people, because most people would probably be going out and going to parties, but I think it's important to make the most of it and just appreciate everything that you do have, even if things might be a little bit different. Of course. And here's to hoping that I didn't burn Christmas dinner. Although I was smart this year, I just ordered turkey and ham from Honey Bake. So I don't have to worry about the main. I don't cook meat very well. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my talent is cooking, which is kind of weird. But uh, I've had this talent, so I do all the cooking. But you can't go wrong with Honey Bake stuff. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what I figured. And then also it allows me to spend more time with loved ones instead of stressing out in the kitchen. Anyways. Now it's time for Tacti Talk. Tacti Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Today we're going to be discussing the Mantis Blackbeard AR-15 Dry Fire Training System. What can you tell me about this system, John? Uh, I absolutely love it. Mantis is known for making shooters suck less by their training aids. With the ammo shortage, I needed a way to train with my AR-15 because I can't put down a hundred thousand rounds a year, which probably probably close to what I was doing before with my AR-15. So I found the Mantis Blackbeard AR-15 dry firing system. It basically replaces the bolt carrier. And the magazine is replaced by a battery pack. And what it does, it automatically resets to trigger. So you don't have to take your hand off the gun to recharge and put the gun back into battery every time you pull the trigger. Oh, nice. Um, 
Also, there's a laser, so you can put a target down there, and it works with all laser training apps. And you can actually improve your shot by using that laser. And a side benefit that I've noticed is it lets me zero my stuff without wasting ammo, zeroing my scopes and zeroing my optics without wasting any ammo. And this time of the big ammo crunch, it's critical to my training. And I just love it. Yeah, definitely. So that is one thing that I don't really love about a lot of these training systems is that you just keep having to rack the slide or the charging handle in order to shoot it again. And it kind of sucks. Yeah. I think it kind of puts a damper in training. I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. Yeah, yeah I, w- I would highly recommend it. It's incredible. Right now I'm on their website and it looks like you can get that system for $200. It all goes up from there. So it starts at 200 and then it yeah, goes all the way up to 250 Yeah. I can hook you up with Austin over there if you want. Nice. Okay, cool. I do have the company. Yeah, I have the Mantis X for handguns. And I've messed around with that yeah. for a little bit. But this is where I kind of think that the industry is headed for the time being while ammo prices are so expensive. Because people are still anxious to practice and... And like everyone says, if you're not practicing, you quickly go back to old habits and you're not as good. So it's really important to practice. But with ammo being nine millimeter right now, it's got 70 cents around. It's insane. Nobody wants to just go to the range as often as they used to. These types of firing systems are definitely come in handy. Yeah, they are great. The interesting thing about the Blackbeard is they were developing this for a couple of years and they just decided to launch it at the perfect time. It wasn't because the ammo shortage, it was just how it worked out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) From a marketing standpoint, it couldn't have worked out better for them. Yeah, definitely. I know. I was thinking just the other day, man, these companies that have these firing systems must be killing it right now. They must be seeing all-time highs in sales. I bet they are. I have no idea what their sales are, but I can only imagine. Yeah. Stupid. Funny. Cool. Interesting. Awesome as f- never mind. AF. Apparently, there says no alcohol for two months if you take the Russian vaccine. Russia's consumer product safety watchdog warned Russians preparing to take the new Sputnik V coronavirus vaccine that they should not consume alcohol for almost two months during the immunization. Anna Popova, head of the watchdog, said that people should stop drinking alcohol at least two weeks before getting the first injection, and they should continue to abstain for a further 42 days, she advised. Her advice was then contradicted by Alexander Ginsberg, the vaccine's developer. He said one glass of champagne won't hurt anyone, not even your immune system. When headlines spread beyond Russia, health officials in the United States and other countries also weighed in, saying that moderate alcohol consumption should be no problem in conjunction with the COVID vaccine. But it's funny because when this came out in Russia, they interviewed a few people and a Moscow resident, Alina Kriven, said that uh, this really bothers me. I'm unlikely to not be able to drink for 80 days, and I reckon the stress on the body of giving up alcohol, especially during the what is a festive period would be worse than the side effects of the vaccine and its alleged benefits. Well, it sounds like somebody's got a little bit of a drinking problem there. <laughs> Have you ever hung out with the Russians? 
they all have drinking problems. I know, I know. Well, it also says in this article that Russians are amongst the heaviest drinkers in the world, which I definitely can believe. Even some people that were saying that they're not heavy drinkers, just for that reason, they're not going to get the vaccine just because it's right around New Year's and having a drink on New Year's is sort of sacred. Uh, Yeah, definitely. In Russia, I have some Russian friends. And to say that they're heavy drinkers is probably an understatement. Yeah. The ones that say, oh, I'm a very light drinker, drinks a lot of alcohol. So they're heavy drinkers drink a lot of alcohol. So I don't see this going over too well in Russia. Yeah. I wonder if that is the case. If you do get the vaccine, if you should. And honestly, this whole vaccine thing is just, it's kind of getting crazy. In fact, today, one of my Patreons wrote in the Patreon group that their cousin was just told that if they don't get the vaccine, that they're going to be fired. And oh, I think wow. that we're going to see a lot more of this, and which is scary because you're making somebody put something in their body that has not had a lot of testing. Even the makers of these vaccines, the companies, they're not being held responsible if anything goes south, which in a way you can't blame them because they were pressured to come out with a vaccine as soon as possible. But I think that this is just the beginning. Drinking is probably one of the least of people's worries, unless you're a huge alcoholic. But (laughs) I don't know. I think that that's another thing that's going to unfold in the next couple of months that's going to be pretty crazy, to say the least. They have a lot of severe allergic reactions to the Pfizer vaccine. Not so much the Moderna vaccine, but the Pfizer vaccine definitely has a lot of severe allergic reactions of people who've never had allergic reactions before, Mm -hmm. which is kind of scary. So I might want to wait for the Moderna vaccine myself, but I don't know. Kind of uh, scary. It's going to be interesting to see what comes out with the uh, other vaccines. Mm -hmm. I know. Okay, moving forward, iTunes reviews. Right now, we only have two more reviews left. So if you haven't left a review, please do so. And you get the opportunity to win a prize pack. Today's review is Scooby-Doo Goon, titled More Please Five Stars. Over the last couple of months, my wife and I have listened from the beginning. We are both fairly new to guns and being in California, don't have many resources. But then we found Gun Funny and have laughed our way through while learning. Awesome guests and great information. Thank you and more, please. Second review is from Durf the Tactical A-Hole, <laughs> titled You Make Monday So Much Easier, Five Stars, Got Gun. Nice. <laughs> All right. So, John, out of those two, who would you pick to win a prize pack, the first or the second? Uh, I would say the second one. I, I don't think it's really a competition, even though I do like uh, Durf the Tactical A-Hole name but i think the amount of work that scooby dooby goon put into it should win the prize okay so the first review scooby dooby goon contact me and i will send out a prize pack and on that note it is time to wrap up so guys you can find me at gunfunny.com there's links to everything also right now we're entering january so if you guys are looking for a calendar there are two calendars available on the website Just go to gunfunny.com and I think it's in the shop link. And there is an AF and Ava Flanell calendar, as well as one that's kind of a meme slash play on gun bunnies where I think it's pretty funny. So two different calendars and you can buy one, both. You have the option of getting it signed by myself as well as Tickles. And also right now shipping is free. So definitely jump on that opportunity because once they're gone, they are gone. 
Also, if you want to support the show and become a Patreon, I set up my own Patreon. So if you just go to gunfunny.com, click on the support the show link, you can do so. You can make a one-time donation or you can become a monthly Patreon. You get access to our Facebook-only group, which is a lot of fun. It's become definitely sort of a one big family. Um, We just finished doing our Secret Santa giveaway, and that was a lot of fun. But if you want to talk to people who are like-minded and also support the show, definitely consider becoming a Patreon. Also, Blown Deadline gives away a $300 gift certificate every month to a lucky Patreon. $5 and up patrons will get a patron-only patch. This patch will never be for sale. After three months of becoming a patron, you will earn this patch. And I want to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Elliot and Mike Pappas, Joe Lyons, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Joshua Hamp, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Star Wars 77, Ralph Anthony, Dylan Savage, and Melissa Ridings. King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. He wants me to say that Operator Tickles puts the laughter in manslaughter. Oh boy. <laughs> Every time I read that, it makes me laugh. Anyways, John, thank you so much for joining me today and for doing such a wonderful job in fighting for our rights and just really staying on top of it and making sure that the public's educated for a lot of things that typically we'd overlook or, or not pay a lot of attention to. So thank you so much for that. Can you just remind listeners once again where they can find you online? MLN.com. You can go to uh, crumpy.com for all my links. That's C-R-U-M-P-Y.com for all my links. And follow me on YouTube at John Crump too. Awesome. All right. Well, on that note, we are out of here. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.